God, we thank you for that sweet truth, biblical truth, that Christ was born to save. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. God, as we're reminded, as we step into Luke chapter 2, may we be reminded of Christmas and how to truly celebrate it when we look at the response and reaction of the shepherds and of Mary. And God, may we be ones to truly ponder, proclaim, and enjoy you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, 17 to 20. I chose this because Pastor was in Luke 2, 11 or um, 7 to 14 this morning and wanted to continue that same passage. Um, how do we celebrate Christmas? How does the world celebrate Christmas? I was going to put together the different shots, but it's a little more complicated than I had time this past week. But when we look at how the world celebrates Christmas, for example, Lydia, when we, I should have had you come up and tell us, but if it's correct, um, in Poland, what I found, gift-giving, church services, and fasting on Christmas Eve before a 12-dish feast, so it said, which usually features carp for good luck. And um, you did that too? But they also said that sometimes families would keep a carp, a live carp in the bathtub um, prior to um, cutting it and enjoying it on Christmas Day. Apparently that tradition is also popular in Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Austria and Germany. Many Finnish families would go on Christmas um, Eve to the sauna. I'm not sure why the sauna, maybe it's so cold in Finland, uh, but they would go to the sauna and then they would go to cemeteries of their loved ones that had passed away um, just to remember them before the midnight mass. As far as in Croatia and Germany, on December the 5th, they would, um, the children in these countries would get their boots all clean and empty and put them by the door and hoping to have when the St. Nicholas would come by to fill it with treats. Now, if they were bad, I was going to put a picture up, and my wife warned me, but we don't have too many children, but maybe it would have been pretty ugly. Um, Krampus. You ever see the picture of Krampus? Kind of looks like John Coleman. Um, pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty scary. Um, but uh, if you were bad, you would just get twigs put in by Krampus, would put them in your, your boots in those countries. Or we look at Greeks mainly a Greek Orthodox country, um, I should say Greek, um, yeah, Greek Orthodox, um, in addition to attending midnight service, what they would do in, in Greece, they would have a, um, a basil-wrapped um, cross, and they would have it in their homes to ward off evil spirits, as if that was in their culture. And then, of course, we look at an America, and we see how we celebrate it. Yeah, we'll have our, perhaps our midnight services, or you'll have the Christmas Eve services, or um, we'll have our worship services and presentations and dramas, but secularize America. You'll see a lot of Santa. You'll see him in stores. You'll see him on front lawns. You'll see him on rooftops. You'll see him in homes. You'll see him everywhere. Um, you go to New York City, and you go down to Rockefeller Center. I can remember years ago hearing when I lived in the New York City area, um, an announcer say, now after the lighting of the Rockefeller Christmas tree, you ever hear them say, now Christmas has officially begun. Um, or you go around um, different places and see the beauty of different um, presentations of homes or cities, or you turn on the Christmas music and you'll hear all your favorite tunes, whether it's Jingle Bell Rock or Little Drummer Boy or... Um, most wonderful time of the year or songs that we enjoy, hymns, 
or you know, the Grinch or Home Alone or Christmas. That to people is how you celebrate Christmas. We want to get in a, in a mood. We want to get in a spirit. Let's turn on those songs. Let's watch that movie. But I want us to look at this first Christmas account and ask, how should we celebrate Christmas? And if I could just, as a, as a precursor to what we're about to say, the greatest way to celebrate Christmas, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, is to do that. Because what sense is it celebrating Christmas, enjoying all of the festivities in the season, if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior? And really, we can understand Christmas and this incredible season and the Christmas message really in three propositions. I am a sinner, and Jesus Christ is that Savior that I need, and Jesus Christ is God the Son who came to this earth. And those three statements, as we understand really Christmas, as we just sang, birth of a Savior, born to come to save us. So I want us to look tonight, if I were to put it on the screen, which I didn't, it would be my main idea that I'm, that I'm after is to celebrate Christmas by proclaiming him, by pondering him, and by praising him. And we see all of those three things happening in verses 17 to 20, if you would follow with me, please. Let me stop back in 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary um, treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. First, I want us to look in verse 17, the truth of proclaim the good news. But if we could think back to the context that we heard this morning in verses 8 to 14, here's this incredible announcement heard and announced on the, on the hillside of Bethlehem. And you have the night prior, or the night of the birth of Christ. Here's the night in Bethlehem. Really, it's leading up to the, to the impactful, redemptive story that's now unfolding as we step into Luke chapter 2. And here in verse 8, we have the narrative introduces us to some shepherds, and they're watching the sheep on the, on the hillside, as they have for thousands of nights prior, and as their fathers had for years and decades prior, they're watching sheep on the hill of Bethlehem. Now, if you were a public relations agent, you would not have gone to the shepherds to announce this incredible announcement that he has come. The birth, yes, of a savior, but the long anticipated Messiah had arrived. You wouldn't have asked the shepherds to be your PR people. You might have gone to the chief priest um, because he is, or I should say, I should let me start with the high priest. The high priest says he's the top religious leader supposedly in all of Israel. Maybe that would have been the place to begin because then he could have gotten the message out. Or maybe you would have gone to the chief priests and religious leaders because they're the ones that supposedly are leading the people spiritually into worshiping God. Um, you would have gone to maybe the Sanhedrin, the ruler of 70 people, and told them what you had found. Or maybe you would have gone to the Pharisees because they were supposedly the ones that were the truest to the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and adhering and trying to follow it. But you would have gone to these people, the shakers and movers, not to obscure people that weren't really accepted in society. But notice that wasn't God's plan. 
It wasn't his plan to go to these religious leaders or to announce it to Herod or, or announce it to chief priests or high priests or, San, uh, or the Sadducees or Pharisees or Sanhedrin. He went to an obscure group of people, the shepherds. The pastor referred to them a little bit. You know, shepherding was, was a, a low profession. It wasn't one that you would probably wake up and say, hey, you know what? I really want to be a shepherd. I kind of hope that I get this career, then I'll be set, and I'll be, you know, uh, society will view me. Though what they did was important for the Passover and the feast and keeping of sheep, but their profession as a self wasn't, a, wasn't very important or viewed highly. They were a trivial class of workers, the lowest paid. They were the bottom of the, of the food chain, so to speak. They were down low, the lowest class of people on the Jewish social ladder, the shepherds. In fact, these men or women, often it would be children, would have to watch sheep seven days a week. Because of that, they wouldn't keep the Sabbath, and so they're looked down and despised that much more in society because they weren't the religious Sabbath-keeping, rule-keeping people. They often were obscure people. They were people that, that were not viewed highly, people that were down in society, dishonest people, savory people, but with no warning at all. Heal on the hillside of Bethlehem as it's dark at night. The sky lights up and they get this incredible visitation from a host of angels, from a great multitude that shout the words that they would, I'm sure, remember the rest of their life, glory to God in the highest. Talk about the glory of the Lord shown round about them. So here they are, these poor shepherd people. All of a sudden, everything changes in their life. But I want to say as we move forward, because it's important as we see how they're responding, how they're celebrating Christmas, that we understand they're not, I don't believe that they are, are off to the side as far as um, following Judaism or passionate for the Messiah. We, I believe that they are devout followers of God. I believe these men are men that yearn for the Messiah. I believe these are godly individuals. Yes, shepherds, but nonetheless godly people that are following God. And we see that by the words that are said to them and by their response. Notice in verses 10 to 12 um, that I won't look at, reread those verses, but the gospel, the angels announce the gospel and they say to them, I bring you tidings of great joy. Now, unless they are people following God, would it be great joy to them? If they were people that were thieving, lying, scandalous people, would this message have been great to them? They would just chump it off. But one that's truly following God, like Simeon's, that had that passion, that desire, the angel says to them, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And certainly the shepherds are included. These people that are low on the chain. So it's announcing there's going to be great joy. So if they are godly, devout, following individuals, it would be great joy to them. And I believe they are because of their response after they told Mary what they did that we'll look at, look at in a moment. So the angels announce this message to them that is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, if they're not God-fearing people, if they could care less about God and God's plan, what does Christ mean to them? But announce to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. That word Christ is special. And as we 
probably know the meaning means the anointed one, the, the chosen one, the chosen one that's been talked about. He's coming. He has arrived. For unto you is born. This day he has come, the chosen one. These shepherds, when they heard this message and their response to it, we see this with great excitement. They believed in the true God. I believe that they had this yearning. They were familiar with the term Christ, and their response shows it. Let me pause for a moment and tell you my favorite Christmas tradition. And if I'm not inaccurate, I think if my, my daughters were here, they would say it was theirs too. When my girls were young, one of the reasons I looked forward, much anticipated, um, was a reason I should say why I looked forward to the Christmas season, was I would tell them a Christmas story. Now, I would, it started small and eventually morphed into where it ended. Um, I would spend maybe 70, 80, 90 hours throughout the year writing this story. I would get a, an idea in mind, plant that seed and write it down a note, and then I would start to develop this story, and it would end up 20, 25 pages, single, single type. And the theme would always have to be that I was telling some Jewish individual finding the Messiah, because I thought that was the real meaning of Christmas, that a Jewish person or individual coming to know the Messiah, coming to know Christ as their Savior. Now, it could be at any time period. If it was Old Testament, it's got to change up a little bit, so it's not going to, but it's coming to encounter Old Testament prophecies. Or it may be New Testament. I may choose, make it a fictional character. It may be a biblical character, but a fictional truth, and I would draw that into my story, and I would try to come at a whole lot of different angles. Because I had four daughters, there's got to be some romance in it, you know, like I would lose them. Um, but they, or I would um, tell them that in our present day and age, it would be, one of my favorite was during the Crusades. Um, and Salomon and what happened and all of the a crusader, how he came to know Christ. He led a Jewish girl to the Lord and they ended up getting married in England, but that's a whole other story. Um, or it would be the tribulation period, you know, what's happening. Um, but I would tell these stories and, and my excitement would build. It would start in the fall that I would start to drop the name of my main character. Hey, three months, you guys are going to meet Josiah. Well, what about just, I'm not saying anything more. And then the, I get going closer and closer, and I'll start to drop little hints. Then the night before is a wreck for me. I mean, I am so, I, I get my worst night's sleep because I'm turning with excitement. I can't wait for the girls to get up so I could tell this story. And I'm tossing and turning, having a miserable night's sleep. I get up, have my devotions. At 8 o'clock, I'm starting to make a lot of noise around the house because I need to get them awake. And about 8.30, then they're all where the fire's going. It would be right in front of the fireplace. They bring their blankets in there. Katie would try to bring a tape recorder and tape it. Um, and they bring blankets and pillows. Lynn would be cooking our big breakfast that we would have after the story. But she would always bring us our potato rolls. But we'll start to tell the story. And what's kind of embarrassing, at least I would apologize, but they were good with it. I get choked up and I know the story. I know how it ends and it's a fictional story. I'm starting to get choked up and I'm trying not to have them see that I'm crying, drawn in my own story. What is my point? If this is fictional, if I could get excited over a story like that, imagine the shepherds, men that yearn for the Messiah to come. They looked and heard the, the, the announcements over the years that one day he would come and heard the prophetic reading. And then to be in Bethlehem on the hillside, know what Micah had written 
and to have the sky lit up ablaze and to hear the news unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. He had come. So there's little wonder when we step into this passage in verse 17 and we see the the shepherd's response. And it says in 17, um, let me back up, 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now again, I say that if they're not godly people, they're not gonna go with haste. Haste means great speed with much urgency. So can you imagine them on the hillside? It's not mountains, it's a hillside outside of Bethlehem. And they're running down to where the lights are in the city. And they're zooming with much energy. Now if they're as old as I was, I'm not sure that they were, they're gonna be out of breath and they're gonna be pretty slow and everyone else is gonna be first. But they're running into the city. What do they do when they get into the city? Uh, anybody know where, where um, baby boy was? Solomon, do you think that's the way they're doing? How do you think they would be responding? <laughs> Titus, what do you think? Would they be shouting? Yeah. How, how loud do you think they would be shouting? <laughs> but they're going to be shouting, where's the baby? Anybody say, where's the baby? The baby, there's, the, the, he's come, where is he? It's like, what, what are they talking about? But they're running with haste. They eventually get to the right spot. And as they're here, verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning the child. So they rush in there. There's Mary and Joseph and the wise men and a whole host of people. Right, no, no, rewind that one. Okay, there's Mary and Joseph and maybe some animals. We're not sure of the setting. But they made known what was told to them. They repeat everything. And I can imagine the shepherds as they're repeating it. This is, this is the way I was feeling. They're just telling every aspect of the story, filling in what maybe someone else had, met, had missed. Yeah, I was fast asleep, and all of a sudden I hear Thomas over here, his reaction. Or like it was so bright, I was trying to read my scroll at night here, and all of a sudden it was so bright I couldn't even see anything. And then we heard these words, like I, I never heard words like this before. And my goodness, when I looked up at the sky, you should have seen the untold number of angels up there. They're telling everything out of excitement because the babe has come. He has arrived. Notice their response. They told, it says in verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. They're telling everything they, that, they, that they heard. Well, was it good news to them? Was it good news? For unto you is born. Was that great news? Was it great joy, the connection that we looked at this morning, good news, great joy? It was because for those that are dead spiritually, those that are in darkness, those that are, as Isaiah writes, the land of Naphtali and Zebulun, and Matthew 4 talks about that's the ministry where Jesus would come of Galilee. Those that were in darkness, we all are in darkness outside of Christ. It is great news because here is our Savior who came to change our situation. We were separate from God, and now he's intervening. He's coming into our world. You know, these men could have made a lot of excuses, right, as shepherds. You know, the angels appeared to them, and they could have come up with a whole lot of reasons why they couldn't go and tell the people in Bethlehem, you know, I'm just a shepherd. They're not going to respect my testimony. I'm not even going to give a testimony of law. How can I give something this important? Or look at look at the clothes I have on. You know, I'm 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 dirty. Or I'm not educated. I don't speak well. Or I didn't take a shower in the last couple months. I can't go down to civilization. Whatever. But they 
didn't offer any excuses because they had the greatest message to proclaim. So where's the application? How are we doing this Christmas season? When was the last time at this time of the year we talked to somebody intentionally? I want to tell you about Christ my Savior. Or we try to have people over. We try to maybe uh, um, take cookies to a neighbor or um, build bridges or people that purposely trying to, to talk to them this time of the year what it means to you. We must proclaim the good news. So how should we celebrate Christmas? We should proclaim it. Here we have this life-changing announcement, this life-changing truth, and sometimes we're, we're just silent, golden silence. Silence isn't always golden. And we don't share it, but we must share it. May we be active in sharing the word of God. So who are we praying for this Christmas season? Who are we trying to build bridges with to share the life-changing truth, the proclamation? I was dead spiritually, but everything changed at the coming of Christ into this world. So that's the first one, proclaim the good news. Verses 18 and 19, we ought to ponder the good news. Appreciate pastor leading tonight and said, well, just pray and worship him and think about what we're singing. Isn't it easy to get so caught up in the season and the, the, all of the demands of our time and all this happening, our schedules and all the responsibilities and that we forget really what it is? Verses 18 and 19. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. I want to look at the word wondered, treasured, and pondering. You know, astonishment. Uh, I think there might be like maybe two kinds of astonishment, if, if I could put it that way. I call the first one maybe the seven-day wonder, where you hear something you're like, ah, that's amazing. And I think of what the announcement last Sunday of Jim Savali, that he's come to be principal, is, 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 is like that. Um, and I heard the gasp of everybody, ah, I mean, we know Jim. We love Jim. We're pumped over that news. It was kind of like that kind of, but now, given it a couple of weeks, Jim's on board. Not that we ever want to get used to it, but we're not going to every Sunday we see him, ah, Jim's here. Like, ah, Jim's here again. You know, that's not, that would be kind of weird, right? Um, that's one kind of astonishment. But I, this word is, is, is different, and it's really coming close to adoration. In fact, you go down south, I don't even know if they still have it. There was a restaurant down there in Florida, Kissing Cousins. Do they have such a restaurant now? I'm going back 30 years ago. Um, adoration and this kind of wonderment here are, are Kissing Cousins. And I'm looking at the word, and all who heard it wondered. This word wondered means to be amazed to be astonished, to be bewildered. You're hearing something and your, your head's just spinning. We didn't have that kind of astonishment or bewilderment of Jim coming. That was just pleasure and happiness, but this goes deeper like just shocked and amazement. And our, and the angel of the Lord shone around them. Good news of great joy. Born this day, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, multitude of heavenly hosts saying, glory to God in the highest on earth peace. You put all of this together, there is astonishment. What all is being said at this Christmas season? May we be astonished. May we be, be bewildered. May we ponder it to think that Christ taking on human flesh 
that incredible passage in Hebrews 2 outlining that for he took on flesh to do battle, to do cosmic battle with the arch enemy and to defeat him and crush him, fulfill the promise of Genesis 3.15. May our breath be taken away at the thought of a child. God the Son putting on human flesh, the eternal one coming to Bethlehem, never having a beginning, but putting on human flesh and coming down and to understand the identity of this child is no less than my Messiah, my anointed one, my Savior, my Christ. That beautiful song, Down from His Glory, Ever Living Story, My God and Savior Came, and Jesus was His name. May we not get over it. My God and Savior came. He came. He intervened in my life. That God should consider fallen mankind that God should consider my state instead of just honestly sweeping me away with a broom of destruction to be forever separated from him. That God pondered, considered my estate. That he was willing to put on human flesh to come to this earth to die for me and pay my ransom. What a marvelous, marvelous truth. God, may I not get over that. God, may I not take that for granted. Miracle of God's grace indeed that Jesus would come is beyond my highest expectation. Oh, how I adore him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all may truly be our response when the great creator became my savior when we understand what he's done for us. But look in verse 19, ponder. So Mary treasures up all these words and she pondered them. Treasure is to, to protect, to preserve. So she's keeping everything in mind here and it's such that, that she's pondering. It's, it's like you have a great puzzle. Let's say if you were a detective and there are so many different aspects and angles and you're trying to look at every angle and put all of the pieces together and figure out the master puzzle and the piece. That's what this word ponder means here. But it's, it's far deeper than that because we have to add the divine aspect to it. So she's pondering. She's taking all of the things bringing them together and she's comparing one to the other and she's listening to one testimony to the other and it becomes just an incredible um, journey for her as she's journeying and listening to what Gabriel said to her some eight, nine, ten months earlier, what's going to happen to her. And then as she listens to Elizabeth and all the news with the baby jumping in her womb and now the angels and all this, this piecing it all together and she studies the prophecies. She's pondering. And her whole person is involved in this. Her mind, her will, her memory. Um, she's treasuring up these things. Her, her affections, pondering them in her heart. Her whole person's involved. Her memory, she's remembering everything. It's every aspect of her is involved in this incredible, unfathomable truth that this child she just gave birth to was the long-talked-about promised Messiah. How do you get that around? A lot of people try to lie and say, well, I'm a virgin. She gave birth and she was a virgin. What an incredible, incredible truth. So this Christmas season, may we slow down and ponder. May we ponder all that God has done for us. May the beautiful lights, the Coozer Farm, at the Carver's house, at our farm, all of these decorations, decorations that, uh, that we're putting in our homes, present buying, 
parties. We have a Christmas couples thing. We have a prime timers on Tuesday and different festivities. May they not steal what the real season is. That we're here to, we're gonna ponder that Christ came our Savior. I needed a Savior. May we be astonished at all that he has done. God and sinners reconciled. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them a second birth. We needed that second birth because as God outlines, I was dead spiritually. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, I was dead spiritually. Nicodemus couldn't understand what man could be reborn. Yeah, through putting your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior. He, the eternal one, God himself, faith in him and what he has done would cause us to be reborn. So to ponder it, to dwell often. Then in verse 20, not only to proclaim it, not only to ponder it, but may we praise him for what he has done. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told unto them. This incredible word to magnify or to praise means to magnify, to give him honor, to give him praise. They are worshiping him. They are leaving and it's because they're godly men, devout men, the followers of God on the hillside. As they are leaving, they're praising God. They're rejoicing over the great truth that has happened in their lives, that they were the recipients to announce to the, to the residents of Bethlehem and thereafter that he has come, that the Savior was born. Truly, what a wonder. May we be truly caught in the wonder of it all that Christ, this awesome time of the year, came because I had such an incredible, great need. This morning, I enjoyed listening um, in our small group to some of the testimony of the men. And one man got, got choked up, and he apologized. He said, may it never happen that you don't get choked up. We all ought to get choked up over our salvation. When we go back to that day when it all clicked for us, when we understood that, that we were lost, that we could not save ourselves and that Jesus Christ was that substitute for us that came and when we put our faith and trust in him, we were made alive spiritually. May that truth bring tears continually to our minds. May we continually praise him for what he has done because of that. Incredible words that the angels announced. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. So what is our response? Do we leave here now and go and enjoy ourselves with 50 some of us together and have more food than probably we should eat and celebrate. That's sweet that we do that, but it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than the nice Christmas ties and the nice Christmas sweaters and the decorations. We are called to be proclaimers. And that's really an emphasis that we wanted to hit this past year. We're to proclaim the message. Who are we praying for? Who are we intentionally trying to build bridges with neighbors, with unsaved people? What are we involved in so that we can get to know people and bring them to Christ? We're called to be proclaimers. We're also called to ponder. Enjoy your devotions this time of the year in the Word of God, pondering what He has done for you. Remember who you are, as David says, as psalmist says, what is man that you're mindful of him? God, God, what am I? Down in Arkansas, we went uh, with the family to get a Christmas tree. Their tradition is cutting down a Christmas tree. 
and I had to confess it was colder than I wanted, and I wanted to get back in the car, but oh, I paused, longed to look at the stars lit up at night down there, so clear, or when you go out west, it's like you could almost reach out and touch all of these tens of thousands of stars. Here God made all of that, but, but he's mindful of man. He cared for us. May we ponder that often, and may our response be to praise him, praise him for what he has done. God is so good all of the time, amen? And all the time, God is good. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for your greatness and your sweetness to us. Good Christian men rejoice. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came. And Jesus was, and Jesus is his name. God, thank you for your greatness your majesty. Thank you, Lord, as we even think of the angels would hear the prophecies over the decades, over the centuries, and it just baffled them. They would try to look into such wonderful things that the prophets were recording. Oh, but God, it all came together that majestic night when the angels announced that he had come. He had come into our world to rescue us. God, we truly love you and thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.